0: Welcome to When We Speak, where we shed stigmas, say goodbye to shame, strengthen ourselves, and encourage others. I am your host, Tasha Hunter. Today, we are speaking to Shay Potter about gender fluidity, and body dysmorphia and her journey to owning her female masculinity. Speaking to Shay during our initial connection call and the interview felt like speaking to a cousin or someone that, that I've known a while. And I just love this one so much. And um, I just know you all will as well. So here you go. So today we are talking to Shay Potter and I'm really interested in the subject of gender fluidity and body dysphoria. And when I think about that topic, I'm thinking about clients that I deal with and friends that I have that are currently struggling with the same thing. So I've got Shay Potter here. Uh, if you could, Shay, tell listeners just a little bit about yourself and where you're from and what kind of work you do now.
1: Yeah. So uh, thanks for having me uh, on your show and uh, a chance to speak to your your listeners. And I des- definitely look forward to to engaging. Uh, i my name is Shay Potter. Um, obviously, my birth name is is Shayla, but I, I better identify with Shay. Um, as it's, um, you know, as I identify as uh, gender fluid, non-binary, uh, and, and so the term shade just fits a little bit better with, with how I see myself. Uh, I'm currently active duty, a military officer. I uh, have about six months left uh, in terms of I retire uh, this, this fall, so I'm very excited about that. And I'm also getting into the space of being a creator, supporting creators. More importantly, expressing myself in a long-held art form, writing, and and getting into speaking. So I decided to start with the story podcast uh, just to try it out, determine that I do like it, and it's something that I want to pursue. And also, I would like to extend that into... Creating more books and stories, particularly my story and those that uh, share the same experiences as me, um, mm-hmm. being able to explore uh, our gender fluidity fluidity um, for those uh, assigned as, as female at, at birth that present themselves in more of the, the masculine spectrum, mm-hmm. uh, having someone to identify with and, and understanding that there's a true power, and, and something to, to be proud of. It's not something to hide. And and so I would like to have those discussions and um, bring that out in some of my writing material and story podcast material.
0: Absolutely. So in listening to your podcast, I listened to a couple of episodes and, you know, you mentioned just then just that, that people don't have to hide. And i I really bust out laughing because you were talking about, you were having, I guess this conversation with your family and they were like, well, we've always known (laughs) they were waiting on you to get real
1: with it. Oh, I was slow girl. (laughs) I was real slow.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So can, can you kind of just for listeners tell when we talk about gender, gender fluidity and, and just really body dysphoria, what was it like growing up? what sensations did you feel? How did you feel in in here for anybody that's not familiar with your podcast yet but they're gonna get familiar kind of kind of share your your journey as it relates to that
1: Yeah so gender fluidity uh, non-conforming non-binary uh, to to me is 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 just kind of loose terms that say male and female those spaces. Uh, just don't quite feel right for you. And uh, I often tell people, I'm not quite sure if it's real or or it actually happened, but I I believed since I was seven that I had a friend named Cody who was what we would term a hermaphrodite Mm -hmm. that was a little boy, but... um, it, you know, when you, when you looked at his, his parts, you know, it, it, it didn't quite tell you which one or the, uh, the other, or excuse me, the other. And um, the reason why I really kind of hold on to that, whether it's real or not is because I really think that is something that never really happened, but that was my subconscious and brain trying to grapple with the more male presenting side of me and it named it Cody, eventually Sebastian, but this, mm-hmm. this is, this is me and my, in my moment saying, okay, I know people are saying that you're a girl, but I don't quite feel I'm a girl. When I look in the mirror, I, I see, I see something else and I want to be something else. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and so I think Cody was my imaginary friend, um, the odor that I get, uh, especially since no one could find who that individual is, right? Yeah. Now um, you
0: know who Cody is. That,
1: that's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so I, I'm not sure if other people, uh, as they're grappling with who they are inside, that it turns into imaginary characters. Mm-hmm. You know, for me, it was when I when I dreamed, mm-hmm. and I engage with people. it was always in a male or, or a boy body. Mm -hmm. You know, I remember seeing my reflection in my dreams and I would have a penis. I would, Mm -hmm. I would have a a bare chest. Mm -hmm. And when I spoke, I was a boy Mm -hmm. and then you wake up and you're like, what the hell, you know? Mm -hmm. So um, those are just examples of what I grapple with more so uh, as a, as a quiet child Mm -hmm. that, Something wasn't wasn't quite right, mm-hmm. uh, and, and and then this part for the more extreme for me, and I referenced this is uh, puberty was the worst for me. Mm-hmm. I think puberty for girls uh, can 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 be uh, a little traumatic mm-hmm. uh, having having your having your period, uh, but for me, it, it meant a very permanent thing it 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 meant it meant that Cody didn't exist it meant that Sebastian didn't exist it meant that those dreams that I was a boy did not exist it could not did, um, did it feel like a girl had hijacked your body in some way like what what is happening right now um when i was younger and i used to scream to my mom why yeah <laughs> You know, yeah. it, in almost a traumatic way that you're losing yourself. I get that, uh, and, and things are happening out of your control. Yeah. Your chests are getting bigger. Your, you, you know, your voice is not. It, it's just it's it's out of control. And and I remember telling my mom, "Just make it stop, yeah, please." Mm-hmm. And and I remember seeing the pain on her face because she couldn't do anything about it. Like this is nature,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and 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 you know, what do you tell a crying child that's saying, make it stop? I I, I don't, I don't want this. Mm-hmm. I, I really, really don't, mm-hmm. you know? And, um, so it, for me, it, it, it was part of me shutting in. Mm-hmm. You you're getting so frustrated that you just, you just, you stop going outside, you stop doing things. You, you just, yeah. Not to say that I gave up, <laughs> but it was just like, yo, this isn't it. And and uh my mom doesn't have answers. I don't have answers. Um for my for my father, um he he was agnostic to the whole thing, mm-hmm. you know, because for him it's like, okay, you're a girl child and and yeah, I'm I'm mm-hmm. gonna go out to work. So
0: and and were you often characterized Did they just think that
1: you were going through a phase that you're just a tomboy, you'll grow out of it. Yeah. Yeah, and and I hate that. I I hate I hate it being called a tomboy. I still do, mm-hmm. um, because in my mind, it, th- that's that's not that's not me, yeah. right? A tomboy to me is is still a girl mm-hmm. uh, that still embodies being a girl, mm-hmm. and I don't. Embody being a girl. Right. <laughs> That's yeah. the key difference. That's it. You know, each month for me is just like, oh, it's, it's always like, oh. <laughs> um, and, and, and so, uh, it's, it's just that fight. And so, but there's a spectrum of it, right? Mm-hmm. Because you you can go as far as essentially where I say where the trans spectrum is where you actually match um your your body the anatomy exactly mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. anatomy to what you're thinking
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, and then you can be where I am where uh, for me, I did grapple with top surgery mm-hmm. for a long time mm-hmm. uh, but I'm also one that really understands the body and understands what's going on and recognize that there will be no replacement for that. And so in, in essence of me wanting to feel better and not walk around with chest, I will be creating more, more issues than in the time in the nineties and early two thousands. There, there was no replacement for what I was taking away. Yeah. Right. Uh, if I would have started going on uh, testosterone mm-hmm. therapy, uh, if if I would have elected to have bottom surgery, things of that nature. Or, you know, when I went into the military, I was contemplating uh, this drug to stop your cycles. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I encountered all that. But then when you go, OK, what do you what kind of chain are you creating mm-hmm. and are you ready to deal with those chains? of issues that can be some very real medical issues. Well, that's when I started to pull back a little bit.
0: Well, some of those shots and some of the medications, when we talk about like gynecological stuff, it seems like every, for me, everything that they recommend, there's side effects. There's a potential to have ovarian cancer or cervical cancer or something. Like... (laughs) Why does it? Why does it have to go to that extreme? I'm just trying to get some relief right now, you know. Yeah. So
1: it it does, but then you have to also understand, uh, the the purpose of a woman's cycle, right? Right. You have to understand the, you know, how the body works. Yeah. And uh, when when you when you go in and affect one thing and don't replace it. Mm -hmm. then you're creating a chain of events that becomes very difficult to go back and get you back to that factory Mm -hmm. default, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And so, but for for the listeners, I also don't want to discount people who make that decision. Mm -hmm. Um, Where I was trying to go with it is the sensation for me is real, Mm -hmm. but not so real that at any cost that I have to make some decisions that may or may not be risky, mm-hmm. right? And so for me, it was, you're going to have to sit in this body and you're going to have to find some other means to to accept it and be able to live in it, but still be yourself, right? I love that, yeah. Um, and so... That's the the avenue that I chose Mm -hmm. and I'm not advocating to take one route or the other. What I'm advocating Mm -hmm. and what I want people to know is you have to do what's best for yourself. Mm -hmm. And as you're listening to this, Mm -hmm. everyone is going to everyone is going to come up with a path that is right for them. So if you meet a trans person or you meet another gender fluid person and you go, well, I listened to this show and this is how shade dealt with it. Why are you saying something else? Because that is someone else. Yeah. You know? And so I had to do what's best for me and what made me feel right within, within myself. But that doesn't mean when I say acceptance, it doesn't mean that I, don't have my moments and i do have my moments i just told you every month i'm like shit <laughs> but uh i have learned to say hey look you know sometimes life is not getting everything that you want yeah and um you, you there's some things that you can do you you can focus on things that you can control right i can't control my body but I, but i i can control how i step out my front door every day i can control when I wake up, if I choose to smile, if I, if I choose to positively engage with the world, I can, I can make those choices. Right. And, so, and, and so. can ask
0: you a question before we get too far ahead. Yeah. When you think about your journey from childhood and, and just on this recording, you, you mentioned your earliest memory being uh, at age seven. Yeah. Was there any time in which through puberty Early adulthood, where you really tried to hide your feminine features. Did you ever wear a binder or anything like that, or did you make conscious decisions? Okay, I'm going to cut my hair short. I'm going to do certain things to make myself more masculine, presenting, um, basically matching the outside with the inside.
1: Right. Correct. Right. So, so for me, it was uh, ebb and flow. Okay. So when I was younger, uh, that 7, 8 range where, you know, girls and boys look alike anyway. Uh, at least for me, I, I was a very late uh, bloomer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I didn't really hit my puberty until about 12, 13, where mm-hmm. uh, I, I definitely remember conversations of, of girls, 10, 9, 10, 11. And I'm like, huh? <laughs> um, so I was very, I was very, very late mm-hmm. in my age group. I know it's different now, probably. Um, so always in, you know, boy clothes and that, that was just how, how it was. But mm-hmm. a, again, knowing everyone just chalked it up as, okay. She's a tomboy, you know, good child. Leave her alone. You know, she'll grow out of it. Right. Uh, in high school, same thing, uh, boy clothes, And, and whatnot, because that's what I was comfortable in until my mom was like, okay, we're going to church and this is what you're wearing. And I pouted for the whole three hours or so that we weren't.
0: You didn't have to wear a dress. Did you? Of course. Oh
1: my. So yeah, just that's, that's how, that's how it was. Mm -hmm. Um, so that that transpired. Like what for me it was I, I definitely dressed as a boy, acted as a boy when, you know, I even tried to deepen my voice and and really tried to go that route. Mm-hmm. Um when I became a young adult in my 20s, that's when I swung the pendulum mm-hmm. and you know, I was really deep into the faith and uh met some older ladies. And just kind of reevaluating, you know, at 20, 22, 24, somewhere around there. And I, I joined a sorority. And, and so I was just like, well, maybe if I thrust myself mm-hmm. into this this other end, I will learn more how to be a woman and know how this is going to sound funny. But if you listen, to me, I always say how they think. Right. Yeah. I, I truly believe that I, there, I just don't think as a typical, typical mm-hmm. woman. So, and I don't express myself always as a, as a, as a typical uh, woman. And so I joined a sorority and, and and it was more of a sense of, I was just trying to be a sponge mm-hmm. in hopes that I would better embrace and it will become more natural. But in reality, it felt like I was walking around in a clown suit. Mm. And what will happen is, is that my internal voice started to heighten and my anxiety started to climb because it was, they're going to find you out, Shay. Right. They're going to rattle on you, Shay. Mm -hmm. Shay, you're lying. Right. Because I was. Yeah. Right. And so I would sit down and I'd be like, okay, flip your wrist, Shay. You know, or I would say, cross your leg, Shay. Mm -hmm. Or I I will say, okay, let's practice walking with a little with a little switch. Mm-hmm. So it was this performance for me. Like hard work. Right. Mm-hmm. And and so the longer that I was around people, mm-hmm. the more those little voices kept getting louder and louder and louder. And so what it turned me into, it turned me into a hermit. Mm-hmm. Because for me going out and interacting with people mm-hmm. in a dress in makeup, in in trying to hold what I call the performance, right, I couldn't relax Mm -hmm. because I was scared that someone was going to find me out. And on the surface, you go, wait a minute, you're a girl. Mm -hmm. You're you're a woman. What do you mean find you out? People are going to accept you. But that's not what I was thinking in my head. Mm -hmm. Uh, So what that resulted to was a internal revolt. And what I mean by that is, um, an event happened and it resulted in me doing the, uh, what I call the closet clean. Mm-hmm. I broke down. Mm-hmm. I went home and just, it just started stripping my closet, mm-hmm. stripping everything that panties, bras, makeup, you name it, high heels, jewelry. It didn't matter. And throwing it into a trash. Was and, this kind of like your your yes. coming out, or, yeah, or bringing it,
0: other it, people in? It, it so. was
1: all of that. It was yeah. it was screaming. It was just ah, just I want to stop. Mm-hmm. And and so it was just it was just this cleansing of let me out. And it wasn't Shay saying let me out. It was the male presenting side of me saying let me out that (laughs) Sebastian yes yes yes. and and so um there was nothing in the closet literally except a suit and tie that I bought one day which was very scary to go buy um you know I used to shop at Express Mm -hmm. men's and and I went into the men's department and I was like I'm I'm this is when I was wearing girl female clothes and I was like I just really want to buy the suit and so I did and I never wore it and so when I did this cleansing, that was the only thing there in some, some male shoes and it still had its tags on. Mm-hmm. Right. So I had thought about it, but I was too scared to go forth, uh, into that cleansing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so that was my beginning to say, I don't know how you're going to do this, Shay. I don't know what people are going to say, because it's going to be like a light switch just yesterday yeah. you was wearing a dress and today you're going to come out with short hair. <laughs> oh, sure. Sure. Um, we're just going to have to figure it out. It,
0: it It's when I hear you speak, it just seems like the uncomfortableness of of faking. <laughs> it just got overwhelming to the point to stop for some people uh, that I've worked with and know that's the thing that causes the breakdown, yeah. the psychotic break, the suicidal thoughts, the, the existing the performance not being you know yourself so what was the reception when you the next day
1: uh it was it wasn't the next day in terms of literally the next day uh obviously for me uh i I never did explain but i'm an introvert very Mm -hmm. shy Mm -hmm. and have extreme high social anxiety Mm -hmm. uh so For me, it was it was probing. Mm -hmm. It it turned into maybe one day you would wear a guy shirt, Mm -hmm. but then you would what they call fem it up Mm -hmm. by wearing tight jeans. So it's kind of you know you kind of play around with okay I'm gonna wear a little bit something masculine, but then I'm gonna soften it up and it's like oh okay Shay that's kind of cute you know? Right. Um, And then, and then like the next week or something like that, you will add something else. Mm -hmm. I I would say probably in my Mm thirties, that's when I just started wearing suits and when I wear suits, I wouldn't wear tie Mm -hmm. long tie. I would just button my shirt up. And uh, again, it's just kind of like, okay, if I go someplace nice, I went to my grandmother's funeral and now it's probably one of the first times that I stepped out in full uh, male clothes from top to bottom, shoes, Mm -hmm. cologne, all of that. And, uh, but I didn't wear a tie. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so it wasn't, like I said, until my my late thirties where I just started dressing how I wanted to dress and then posting. And so to answer your question, it, It it was gradual. Mm -hmm. But as I reflect back on it, I don't think it was so much pushback because it goes back to how we started with the family, Mm -hmm. where everyone else (laughs) already kind of knew where this train was going. They're just waiting on
0: you. When is she going? When when you gonna say something?
1: They they waiting on the conductor to be like (laughs) because
0: they've been talking about it. They've been it's in it's in here.
1: Right. Hey, I like I said, I was I was late. I was late yeah. to the party, mm-hmm. and when I finally showed up to the party, it was just kind of like, "Oh, what's going on, Shay?"
0: Cool. Right. Right. <laughs> so, can you talk to? Can we go back a little bit? And just in reading some of your information, uh, you know, you mentioned some common misconceptions about masculine women or or, or masculine females. Can you talk about some of those misconceptions?
1: Yeah, so th- this is something that I'm I'm playing with, and when I when I say I'm playing with, it's mm-hmm. I'm a thinker, mm-hmm. and 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 so it's I, I like to really just kind of just sit and think about things, mm-hmm. and and so for me, uh, female masculinity for one is it's. Mm-hmm. It's almost kind of oxymoronic, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, But it also says that perhaps we may not fully understand femininity versus masculinity the way that we want to. I think we understand the extremes of it, but I don't think we understand when those two points start to converge. Mm -hmm. And that's where I feel uh, I am. Meaning that when I say gender uh, fluid is, you know, you, you kind of move along this, this pendulum mm-hmm. and, 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 and so it's not necessarily, uh, you, you, uh, ascribe to, to one set energy vice the other. It's almost like, well, I'm both right. and you leave it at, you leave it at that, mm-hmm. you know, so, So, I think some of the misconceptions are really due to there isn't a lot of people talking about it and studying and trying to understand it. And so, even the ones that do come out and have put a lot of time into gender study, there's still so many questions about it, right? I mean, when when you compare to 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 other things that have have been studied, so and it's definitely not talked about in the black community. Correct. So I think the big thing is that it's still relatively new mm-hmm. in our society. Yes. It's not new to human civilization. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. and, and where I'm going with that is there are a number of study tribes that uh, hold on to and understand the, the, what they call a the third gender and understand where some of these two polar um, uh, energies uh, may intersect, mm-hmm. and and they're they're okay with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in more Christian societies, there's this hard divide between male and female, feminine and masculine, mm-hmm. and and we try to keep them aligned and and separate. Mm-hmm. So I don't have a a, a direct uh, answer for you, because again, it's something that I'm still exploring. Um, but I think for me, it just means being able to exist in both, uh, and being okay with that and not feeling like, um, I have to always have these hard, uh, defined answers, uh, for, for some of these things. I love it.
0: Yeah. Thank you for sharing that and, and helping listeners to understand, so you're in your twenties and you're in college and and you have this this moment where you just kind of want to be free and you want to be Shay. Uh, w- at what point was it at that time or did it come slowly? When did you find? Talk to me about the confidence and the validation. When when did that come along for you? In my forties.
1: Okay.
0: We so talked about while. it
1: in the podcast. I'm um, sorry. It, I said in my 40s, right? Mm-hmm. Uh we laugh about it in the podcast mm-hmm. because it's like, oh so new new, like you you just got here. Like, yeah, I, I, I just got here, like talking to you, I just got here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um and, and so I chuckle about that because sometimes 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 it takes you a while mm-hmm. uh, to understand yourself. And sometimes you don't ever really fully get there. Yeah, sometimes you think you understand yourself, and you got to go double, you know, double back. Mm-hmm. Be, that's that's life, mm-hmm. and, and and that's okay. Uh, so for me, being able to embrace it mm-hmm. happened relatively recently mm-hmm. in writing the story podcasts, mm-hmm. because for me it was it was finally that opportunity to put it out in, in, in the universe. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, This this was before I even got on tape Mm -hmm. and started speaking. It It was the very act of being able to get up every morning Mm -hmm. and just put it on paper. Mm -hmm. It it, it just felt like, ah, you know, it's kind of like that moment Mm -hmm. that I said where I went in and cleansed my closet yeah. That moment of every day of me just writing mm-hmm. episode after episode was also an extension of of that but it wasn't necessary the cleansing it was it just more of accepting what is mm-hmm. not yeah. trying to run away from it not mm-hmm. trying to talk myself out of it mm-hmm. but more of this is you Shay. Sure. Yeah.
0: This is you. Thank you for sharing that. And if I don't ask this next question, I'm going to get in trouble. So you mentioned being a military officer. Did you have any challenges? Did you have, you know, was, was there any associated stress because you're dealing with the gender fluidity, the body dysphoria in the military? Um, and if so, what what was your experience like? What What has it been like?
1: Yeah, so... One of the early experiences I had uh, when I first joined the military was senior mentors of mine saying, be ladylike, right? Mm -hmm. And it it reminded me of just as I was growing up and going through college Mm -hmm. and high school, it was always sort of these guardians around me. Mm-hmm. It when I started to push the edge, mm-hmm. at least in their eyes, sure. It, it it was kind of, hey, get back in the box.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. And I was a type of child that and young person mm-hmm. that really respected my elders. Mm-hmm. I I I just I just wasn't raised or had the temperament to really question
0: mm-hmm.
1: them. And 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 so I trusted them. I, I trusted that they they knew and that they were doing things that were was was best for me. Mm-hmm. And so when they made comments like that, it, part of me kind of screamed mm-hmm. because it was what am I doing wrong? You know, just breathing. <laughs> you yeah. know.
0: <laughs> but, but, you know, we, we, we also know that when people are uncomfortable, you know, they were yeah. uncomfortable, they were ignorant. Yeah. So they, they were showing all of that
1: ignorance, you know, and, yeah. and, and and they were raised that way as well. They were raised that way. Yep. And, but for, for the mentor, mm-hmm. she just wanted me to succeed mm-hmm. and part of succeeding was being in your box. Yeah. Cause that was already defined and it's a place that people can know how to treat you. Mm-hmm. When you're in your box, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I got in that box, and I started doing those things that people in my box did. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to come out of, because i speaking a lot of analogies, mm-hmm. basically it, I wanted to be a general, and I wanted to be extremely successful
0: mm-hmm. in my
1: career. And so I wore. The dresses. Mm-hmm. I played the part, right? Because I wanted to get to the top of my career, sure. And that was part of the sacrifice, sure. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, until that became too heavy for me. Yeah. So in two thousand eight. Don't ask, don't tell was had already been rescinded. Mm-hmm. Now we were accepting trans mm-hmm. soldiers in and I didn't expect that to affect me, mm-hmm. but it did. Mm-hmm. And you had to ask yourself a question. Shay, you're not trans. Mm-hmm. So why is this an issue for you? Mm-hmm. Because I understood the dysphoria, mm-hmm. because that dysphoria never went away right I was expressing I was feeling that dysphoria in that moment and right. so when you hear the comments of your fellow soldiers and your fellow leaders talking about trans people like their dogs they're talking about me
0: that is such an important point as you know because I work with military people who identify as trans or some of them are questioning; they're just not sure. And it's those when, even when I worked on the military, you know, with the Air Force, being a part of some of those or being in the room with some of those conversations of, well, they're going to have to take shots or they're going to have to do this, and 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 they're not military; they're they're not mission ready. And you know, what are they going to do if if they're deployed, and all of these things, as if this is not. A real person. person,
1: a person
0: that battles with this and has battled with it their entire life. They did not come to the medical facility and discuss this with you easily. Yeah. So, anyways, I I don't want to take go, no, no, go no, no,
1: no. You're you're spot on, sis. Yeah. You know, and and so so again, I don't identify as, as trans, mm-hmm. but I identify with 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 some of the experiences of dysphoria. Right. And so to hear the real talk when people think that you're one of them right, and you can't say anything because at the time it just wasn't the right place. Right. Um, and, and so it, it, it just, it just hits you differently and it makes, it makes you question your validity and who you are in the space that you work, right? Mm-hmm. And um, it, it affects you. And mm-hmm. so on one aside with me wearing dresses and trying to walk in that space, I'm performing. Here is another example of me not necessarily grappling with my uh, gender identity, my uh, sexuality, and so I'm hiding that, and I haven't really quite come out in that. And now I have these policies, and I'm I'm trying to figure out. Okay, this little part of you, you you gotta, you know, you, you gotta you gotta keep that in place because again, like I said, I, I'm still trying to march through the ranks. Sure, you know, so so um, so my mid. Career was was very. I don't I don't want to use the word traumatic, mm-hmm. but but I but I would say that I was very closed in as an individual. You know, because I just yes. didn't want people to know all of me. Just
0: yeah,
1: a safe piece of me. That's that that's enough. You get a you get a little yes. little spoonful of Shay. Well, that's that's
0: I know so many military people understand. That compartmentalization, you know, that <laughs> because in the military, um, and I write about this, that although in some senses, you know, they brand themselves as a family, we are a family in a certain sense, but it's a family in which you have to remain closely guarded and you have to protect yourself.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's at the end of the day, it's, it ascribes to a certain culture. Yes. Uh, White, Anglo, Saxon, Protestant, right? Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: those ideals. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. Yeah. Because whether you're trans or, or you're gay, when you go into an organization that is built on those very fundamentalist traditional ideas, you have to understand where where it is that you're essentially, what are you and how are you going to operate in the environment that doesn't necessarily accept you for who you are. Sure. And so, and that's okay if you're prepared to deal with that, part. but you have to also recognize that there's going to be some real, there's going to be a true cost. And so then you have to try to deal with, ask yourself, well, how much of a cost am I willing to put on a table? Mm-hmm. And for many people that are like me and others, mm-hmm. you, you, you quickly get to, to a point where you got to pay the piper and you realize it's too much, mm-hmm. you know? And so, and for those that continue, mm-hmm. uh, they, they have, Kind of that that come to Jesus moment, if you will much much later later, but at that point they've expended so much of who they are that there's absolutely nothing there to to recover when when they're ready to do so, right, because they' spent so much time trying to be these things or this thing that um you know the very essence of who they are just kind of disappears uh yeah. over over time so um, so that, that's something that I, that I think everyone that serves in the military and particularly our military has, has to sort of weigh, uh, yeah. but at the same time, you know, like I say, uh, it's, it's, it's a good place to, you know, get it, get a start, sure. you know? And so there are some good things, um, in, in terms of serving, serving your, mm-hmm. your country. I'm not being paid for that, by the way. Um, <laughs> She's you know, not a recruiter. Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> You know, because yeah. I again, you know, it's just you. You just there's a cost to everything. You just have to figure out what's best for yourself and Absolutely. have the uh, the courage mm-hmm. to to have those conversations with yourself yeah. and know when enough is enough, mm-hmm. and then being able to stand on that mm-hmm. and and uh, say, okay, even if it means I have to start all over, I start all over, but at least. You know, I I can have a peace of mind that, you know, I'm doing what's best for me. Sure.
0: Thank you for that. So as you have gone through so much in your own journey and finding your own way to who you are, your own path to authenticity, right? Um, Who, what, or, you know, what helped you, what inspired you, what helped you through those difficult times, what was your, what saved you kind of in the moments when you were really down or, you know, whatever you were going through, who was there or what was there for you?
1: Yeah. So I think I have a a, a natural, uh, what I would call like a head start. That's probably the wrong word. I can't think of what I really want to say, but I'm an optimist and idealist by nature. hmm And so I always make the joke is if we are in the polish it, Mm -hmm. I'm still going to find the sun (laughs) no matter what. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and and so uh, I I joke about it, but sometimes you find yourself in a polish it and you really got to look for that little light to, to make you smile. And and so I'm already set up like that. Sure. So what that means is I'm only going to be only going to allow myself to be down for a little bit mm-hmm. because eventually I'm going to turn around and find that little glimmer of, of light or that mm-hmm. little squirrel that, you know, skips about and, and makes you smile or whatever. I'm going to find I'm going to find those things. So mm-hmm. uh, for for those that aren't necessarily set up that way. um what I would say is to recognize that maybe you have more of a critical or I don't like to use the word pessimistic. So I'm going to use critical, um, uh, mindset and that's okay, but you have to find a way to temper that. And as it relates to yourself, cause you don't want to, you know, overly critical criticize yourself. Um, you, you are you, going to have to find someone when I say find some ways you need to find a, a counselor or someone that can walk you through mm-hmm. how to counter that so that you don't tear yourself
0: up sure and just uh, because I'm a clinical th- or a clinical social worker I'm a, I'm a therapist I just want to plug therapy and say <laughs> that there are so many therapists Uh, mental health professionals that specialize in body dysphoria, gender dysphoria. So you don't just have to pick anybody at random because they may not be specialized in that and know how to help you. Uh, So look for somebody that specializes in that. And and I would say look at LGBTQ plus uh, directories. Uh, One one that's coming to mind right now is therapy, Dan. And so there are many, many others, though, uh, for anybody that's listening. so. Shit! I just wanted to put. No, that- no, no, no.
1: That's that's exactly where I was getting at. So you you just gave the details. Yeah. You know, and 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 so, uh, but, but like I said, part of that is understanding where your shortfalls are, mm-hmm. and that is okay to go seek help mm-hmm. for for folks that can come to you objectively mm-hmm. and, and help you fill some of those shortfalls. Sure.
0: Can you um, I know that people are going to want to reach out and, and support you and, and just find out more about you. Can you talk about what you're working on now, where they can find you, um, how they can listen to your podcast and everything?
1: No, no problem. No problem. So I wrote a, sto- a story podcast it's called Crack This Shit Open. Mm-hmm. And it is a personal account. That looks at my life from seven to I'm 42 now, so about 40, and gives you a you know by account uh, of reading of you know what I'm thinking and how I actually process uh, some some things like depression, uh, suicidal ideations, uh, emotional uh, detachment with my parents, anger. How did I process those things? Uh, to eventually uh, start to accept what was going on and what I what I'm feeling Uh, and eventually just kind of uh, shed to you that hey I have these same emotions that you probably have as well Mm -hmm. and the way that I'm processing this is first by acknowledging it first right seeking some closure and then ultimately realizing that in the end I'm okay Mm -hmm. I'm I'm okay the way that I am, and that there's absolutely nothing that I need to change about myself. Mm -hmm. And and that uh ultimately um I I didn't need to seek um validation from others. I just needed to look inside and get that, get that from the side. So that story podcast you can find on any major platform. Just type in, crack this shit open, and and you you can be able to access that. I'm also on YouTube. And Instagram, Shay D Potter, S-H-A-Y D Potter. Thank you.
0: So I've got just a couple of other questions and they're unrelated to anything we've talked about. Uh, When you are wanting to move your body, if you're wanting to dance, if you even dance or if you just want to feel some feel good music, what do you listen to?
1: So my musical taste has changed. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, I, I still do a little hip hop. Okay. Uh, so, so that's, that's always there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, I, I'm not as, um, caught up on a lot of the, the new, sure, um, sure. musical artists, mm-hmm. uh, today, but you know, that's, that's in there. Uh, but I, but right now I'll be honest with you, uh, Motown, Mm -hmm. Uh it hits is 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 pretty much where I am really kind of never gonna go out of out of style. (laughs) You're your your older artist and classical, classical music. I I absolutely love. So you will catch me at a Kennedy Center
0: real quick.
1: Uh (laughs) awesome. Yes. Beautiful.
0: Yeah. What what or who makes you laugh?
1: I laugh on my own. You don't need no help. I don't need no help. I came out the moon like this. <laughs> yeah. So um any any comedian, you mm-hmm. know, uh, little things, kids, uh, it it really I, I find humor in 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 everything, you know. Um, mm-hmm. so uh I was just recently watching um uh these kind of TikTok videos, mm-hmm. you know, and and so uh any anything make me Make me laugh and smile.
0: Understand. Thank you. And who or what inspires you?
1: I think it's a number, right? Number of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't have one, uh, one person. Mm-hmm. But because I know where you're going with this, and I'm going to put a plug in uh, for for one thing. So I love, 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 love to watch movies and documentaries Mm -hmm. about people who overcome their own internal battles Mm -hmm. or limitations. Mm -hmm. It just does my heart good. Mm -hmm. And there's one show called barbecue chef Mm -hmm. and they uh, do a feature on this uh, lady called Tootsie, like Tootsie roll. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's, she's in her eighties. And, uh, if you know anything about barbecue back in the day, they used to use these real huge pits where you take these shovels and, uh, you're, you're basically shoveling these, these large, uh, blocks of coal and you got this 80, 83 year old lady today mm-hmm. that's still doing this. Right. And she's been in this business for 30, 40 something years, uh lost uh you know her sons and had all this tragedy but she but to this day she's she's hardened on the on the external side but you start to learn her story and you go wow this is just a powerful Mm -hmm. lady and what I get from that is one just keep going but 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 two just you know her ability to embrace who she is and, and be who she is is just phenomenal. And the love from the community is is just uh it's just really inspiring. So um so long diatribe there, but I, I got it to make the point of I just really like regular people that push through life and, and still find a reason to smile just doing regular things. Yeah. I think I saw that episode. Is it kind of like a hole in the wall, little
0: country, little place? Yes. Yeah. And people kind of eat outside. And I saw that episode. It made me cry, you know, because <laughs> her, didn't her husband pass away? And yeah. Um, yeah. I saw that. So, okay. Thank you. And it's been just a pleasure listening to your story and listening to your podcast. Anybody that's out there, please. Uh, check out her podcast. Uh it's called Crack This Shit Open. Or <laughs> I wanted to make sure I got it all in there. So check out that podcast and anything else that that Shay is working on. Uh, I know that you'll be inspired and and probably even uh entertained to a bit, depending on you know what she's talking about. She's got an amazing uh personality and sense of humor and everything. So uh check her out and Shay just thank you so much. Okay.
1: No problem. I enjoy myself. Oh, Thank you.
0: You're welcome. Thank you all for joining me for today's podcast. And please make sure that you visit me at TashaHunterAuthor.com or you can find me always at Instagram at TashaHunterLCSW. While you are at it, please, if you found value in this show, I would appreciate a rating or a review Uh, Also share this podcast with others and I will see you all next time.